Hello, Internet. I'm Finn Ross Russell. I'm Madeleine Tertillion. It's Thursday, May 11th, 2023. Welcome to Liverpool and Eurovision Week 2023. Coming up, we're dancing solo, we're revving the engines, and we're protecting our landmarks. Salutations one and all, and welcome back to Liverpool. We are still processing what was an absolutely fantastic first semi-final, but we can't rest on it too long because we have an amazing second semi-final still to come, and joining me to talk through it all, it's the amazing Madeline. How are you doing, Madeline? I'm doing pretty well, yeah. I'm still trying to simulate what happened yesterday, <laughs> and the semi- second semi-final is about to uh, begin soon, so there's no time to lose. This is your first time in the UK. It must be quite weird experiencing the United Kingdom, a country you've heard so much about, through this very specific guise of the Eurovision wonderland that has been created around Liverpool. Yeah, that's true. I'm. To be honest, I don't feel this as a trip to the UK, but rather to a trip to Eurovision, because I'm sure that in the other part of the year and in other parts of the UK, the feeling is probably not the same. Uh, but then again, I'm happy to be here. It's nice to visit the new country and uh, to see so many diverse people in the streets. Now, this is your third experience going to a Eurovision. You went to Lisbon, you went to Turin, Liverpool is experience number three. How has this experience compared to the other two? I would say that uh, in Liverpool, I see a level of excitement for Eurovision that I have not seen before. And Eurovision is literally everywhere. You can see the streets are branded, the people are wearing their colorful costumes in the streets. You can hear Eurovision songs when you're way away from the arena or the Euroclubs. So yeah, Liverpool is living up to the expectations for a perfect Eurovision host city. And as we build towards Saturday, there are only 10 more spots in that grand final. We have a packed 16-song semi-final two to get through, and we're going to discuss all you need to know about what's to come. So as we did on Tuesday's podcast, we're going to go through each country that's qualifying in the running order, and we're going to tell you this is why that country is going through. Um, And we kick off with Denmark. This is TikTok's dream for sponsoring the contest, an act that is super well known with an international following in the year that the rest of the world vote is finally gonna come in and make an effect. It's energetic, it's colorful. He has brought upgrades to the DMGP performance that make it a little bit kind of bigger and more suited to the Liverpool stage. This is very, very exciting, and I'm I'm curious to see kind of beyond the main Eurovision show what the wider effect on Eurovision is as a result of someone like Riley coming and being a part of it. Armenia is on its way to the Eurovision final because it brings along a package that is fully locally made. We are seeing Brunette, who is one of the most current Armenian singers. But also, it looks very international. It feels like she is ready to conquer the world with her performance, A Future Lover. And uh, she's much more than a performer, actually. She's also a songwriter. We've seen her chore- do her own choreo, but also helping out with uh, some 
interesting collaborations with Georgia. And overall, the performance was just stunning. The color works amazingly, and we even had an unexpected dance break. The song is very unique, and because the song is so unique, there are so many different ways that they could have gone with the staging, and a teeny tiny little thing could have made it seem weird or could have made it not work. But the the beautiful kind of slope on the stage, the way that there's the projection going onto it, it's an absolutely perfect package. Everyone who was watching from the press yesterday was absolutely wowed by it. Romania are going through because these vocals are very unique, they're very powerful, they're very raspy, they're very back of the throat. Um, it's arty, it's unique. Dare I suggest that this belongs in the sort of Eurovision as performance art category that we were talking about in the last semi-final with Croatia and Serbia. Um, it's out there but it could go through. Estonia is going through because in a semi-final with such diverse songs, it probably stands out as the ballad that ballad lovers just cannot miss out on. The performance is flawless and Alika just uh, shines through all the three minutes she has on stage. Um, Belgium is going through because this is just so much fun. It's very camp but it's also very energetic. It's one that I think everyone is gonna get off the sofa and wanna start dancing to. It is so full of joy. And I, I've had my moments of not being sure about Gustav. I, I note that the Starlings did very well in that national final question. Oh, is it right that Gustav is here? But you know what? He is bringing the party to Liverpool and everyone is gonna be having a fantastic time with it. For Belgium, I would like to add that in the beginning I felt it as a guilty pleasure, but day by day it feels less guilty. And at the end we're all becoming Gustav's biggest fans. Out of interest, what is it about Because of You that you see as a guilty pleasure? I would say that it's the message of the song, of course, but also Gustav's story and his growth as an artist, because we know this is his third time in Eurovision, before he's always been uh, backstage, and finally it's his moment and he's fully enjoying it and uh, he's embracing it also along with his lovely backing vocalists and I'm very happy that he included them on the stage because they add so much more to the overall performance. Cyprus is going through because they finally broke through the mold of sending divas year by year so personally I'm happy that they tried something different. They are singing, uh, sending a talented singer Perhaps Andrew is one of the best male vocalists of the year. And the performance is uh, flawless. Also visually, I think it's very stunning. And uh, for me, it's a safe qualifier. Also, maybe the help of having Greece and Australia in the same semi-final. <laughs> maybe we can get to that later. That, that's just a bonus. What I will say is you can take the fuego out of Cyprus but you can't take Cyprus out of the fuego. Oh my goodness, the fire in this. Yeah, yeah. It was everywhere. There might, there might be more fire in this Cypriot at this year than in fuego. I've not gone back and looked at the performances and checked exactly which one had more fire. We were watching the same show earlier. There's a lot of fire there. <laughs> I think it's debatable because Eleni herself was the fire in that performance. Ooh, okay getting all artistic on me, I see. 
Iceland are going to qualify because this is drum and bass, which is not a genre that we're seeing uh, at all this year at Eurovision, except for Iceland. The vocals are incredible. And I feel like she was a squirrel in a past life, which sounds like a really crazy bonkers thing to say. But every time she gets on that stage, she is just moving around and singing and dancing with so much energy. It, it, sort of the living embodiment of, of caffeine. It's just, I, I look at Dilia and I want to start running around and pumping my arms and making a vague effort with exercise because she just looks like she's having an amazing time up there. Greece should go through because, uh, well, I noticed that this year we had a huge number of songs that were co-written by the artists themselves. In Greece's case, Victor wrote the song by himself, he produced it, and he is the youngest participant this year. So, you can imagine the amount of talent one needs in order to get to that point, and he's representing his country at Eurovision. He seems like he's enjoying the performance, he, he's on his own on stage, but he has enough energy and charisma even to conquer the audience tomorrow. It's that a lot of people have been saying James Arthur around this performance in terms of that kind of pop, acoustic rock mix that comes into this song. And this is a very popular genre in the charts. When we look at the songs that are, that are popular across the continent, it's exactly this kind of song that a lot of people are listening to. And that bodes very, very well for Victor in a semi-final where there's nothing that you can really compare it to. Poland are going through because this is the most easily accessible female pop banger. I mean, I don't want to say that you'll ever see because there were several in, in semi-final one that would definitely take argument with that. But if you like female-fronted pop bangers, as I do, as many members of the Eurovision community do, this is one that has had the kitchen sink thrown at it in order to appeal to televoters. And if all of the different ideas that they have shoved into this performance are going to work, then this will definitely go through. Maybe one or two won't, but as long as enough connect to the televoters, they're going to be fine. Slovenia is going through because, first of all, this is a song that Eurovision fans and audiences in general already like, but Joker Out are an extremely charismatic group that works even better with live performances. I would say that the feeling that you get from watching them is probably what uh, at least I got from Moniskin before they were cool. And uh, for me, they are among the highlights of the semi-final. They are treating Eurovision and they're treating that stage like it's theirs. They have taken the, the, the tricky years that Slovenia's had in the build up to this year at Eurovision and they're going, we don't care about that. We're gonna do our thing. And we're gonna bring what we see as our style to the Eurovision stage, to this massive opportunity that we have in the Liverpool arena on Thursday night and surely Saturday night. And it's really nice to see. It's nice to see artists feeling confident enough to go and embrace that and for a delegation to go and back that artist in order to go and create that vision. I'm really, really happy for Slovenia. Yeah, and with each performance, we realized why the Slovenian delegation ultimately decided to go internal this year with Jokrat. Georgia are going through because these vocals are soaring. It feels epic. It feels energetic. There are some camera angles that are doing some wonderful things to kind of building the energy and the tension and the excitement around all of it. And there are a lot of countries 
Well, there's a lot of Eurovision history to suggest that this is exactly the kind of thing that does well at the contest. San Marino has some chances to go through, more than I would say people think, because uh, first of all, again, we have another group, but each group this year has their own distinct style. Uh, I'll be curious to see how uh, Big Jacks would compare to the other groups within their semi. But their song also has this kind of evergreen feeling to the to it. And also live, they are amazing. They seem to be enjoying also each moment they have on stage. And we're talking also about the smallest country in Eurovision, and they bring a quality performance. Austria going through because this song is so much fun. It blends comedy with a kind of serious issue, which is not something that we tend to say about many Eurovision entries, that, that they're going for that sort of middle ground between those two worlds. Um, but what's really fantastic is the dancing in this performance. There are the, the four dancers that they are allowed to have uh, on stage alongside uh, Tay and Selena, the, the main artists, but they are backed on the screens behind them with a full Austrian flash mob of dancers all doing the routine from the video. Um, it's, it's almost overpowering, but overpowering in a really good way because it just adds bulk and heft and energy to what is already such a fantastic uh, package. Albania is going through because many times we describe Eurovision as this family-friendly show. Well, at last we have an entire family on the Eurovision stage together and it actually works. They're from different generations, but they uh, join their forces and they give a heartfelt performance and you don't need to speak Albanian to understand the message of unity and uh, family love that they are trying to spread. This is going to sound a little bit weird but I realized watching this earlier this might be the closest thing that we have to a Balkan ballad this year because Balkan ballads feel like you know, with Croatia and Serbia going and moving in their own performance art direction and the loss of Bulgaria, North Macedonia, Montenegro from the contest, this has been something that is such a typical part of the Eurovision canon every year that we're not seeing. And Albania are the, are the kind of... I, I'm not sure I'd describe this as a Balkan ballad, but it's the closest thing to that sort of style. And I think that's going to be very attractive to a lot of voters. Lithuania going through because... This is a ballad, but it's not a traditional ballad. It, it's much more complicated in terms of it being very kind of self-reflective, in terms of the, the Lithuanian cultural mantras that are sewn into the chorus. Monica's great. She's so confident when she gets on that stage. I think part of the benefits of the Lithuanian selection is that because it's like eight different rounds in order to get to the final, there is the time, um, and Ross was saying this on an earlier episode, to build up towards getting the song in a good place ahead of actually bringing it to Eurovision. And I think that's exactly what's happened. I, I think Monica's great, and with, again, with my Union Jack hat on, I would really like to see her reach the final in a country that she's spent so much time in in the past. Australia is going through because we just could not have had a better closure for the show. It feels so powerful at the end and even though we've been through 16 songs, 
after this you just want more and more and more and you just notice that the group have been together for quite a while they know how to work with each other and uh, they give the best performance they ever the, they can ever have and also I'm very happy that Australia decided to send something different from their usual Eurovision pick I just think if you bring a car and then you make that car work as a prop you should just go through automatically I have as we've discussed on yesterday's podcast I have very sad feelings about the busker not making it and their car which was great there have been two cars in this Eurovision journey. We need at least one of them through to the final. So I really hope that Australia manages to deliver. Right. There are some diaspora pairings that you've spotted in this semi that you think are really going to test the fabric of this whole 100% televote thing that the EBU have designed. Yeah, exactly. This year, the division of the semifinals is quite interesting. Of course, it was random. We had our usual pots. But I feel like uh, this semifinal is quite... Uh, well, it, it has a certain number of countries that usually tend to vote, to exchange votes between each other. Or, for example, they have a big five country or host country that does that. So semi-final two of Eurovision 2023 is going to show us whether it's a good idea to revert back to 100% televoting semi, because we will see whether countries will uh, go back to their diaspora voting past. I do feel like the last few years televoting has been more objective in a way, so I'm curious to see whether uh, the countries in this semi-final would be tempted to support their uh, friendly nations or we will be witnessing a... Uh... Well, I think the best way to describe this is that we have a country like Poland and a country like Iceland in this same semi-final. Now, by the logic you're saying, Iceland should probably go out and Poland should probably go through on the basis of your neighbors and your diasporas and all yeah. those sorts of things. It, it is going to be really interesting because and I've been telling people this all, all day, this is a much more exciting show than semi-final one because the margins of the pack in general are so much closer and it's so much harder to tell who is definitely through versus who needs a good performance tonight in order to make that happen. It's extremely hard. I still feel like if I draw random lots, I would get more correct qualifiers than actually trying to think what would happen because it just feels like an equal playing field. Oh, please, can you do that? Please, please, can you do that? And then we can reveal the results as to whether I will, you're... I will do that, The yeah. actual predictions or your randomly yeah. drawn lots were more accurate. <laughs> Meanwhile, outside of the exciting competition that's been going on, I have been embarking on my Eurovision cultural trail this year in Liverpool. And today, I travelled up to the Exchange Building on the north side of the city centre of Liverpool to see how one of the local landmarks has been very much Ukrainified. I am at the Exchange Buildings uh, on Tithebarn Street, just to the south of Moorfield Station and just to the east of uh, the Eurovillage on Pearhead. Um, I have come for an installation called protect the beats um, this is some sort of installation that is based around a famous Liverpool landmark obviously I someone who doesn't know these landmarks very well I, I don't know what that landmark is or what the uh, 
Ukrainian significance is. All I know is that the landmark in question has been covered in sandbags and there are apparently other bits and pieces around it as well. So let's go check it out. So I've now ventured into the sort of main square that is exchange flags, um, this sort of square. And the monument in question is the Nelson Monument. Um, in fact, this little information thing reads, Liverpool's iconic Nelson Monument encased in over 2,500 sandbags. A short film certified you. Embedded in the artwork illustrates how music remains at the beating heart of Ukrainian culture by whispered tales in collaboration with the Ukrainian musician Denis and this is a very interesting place to, to put something like this. Um, it is a very, well, I don't want to sort of put a, an exact date on how old, but you can tell that this was a very big, important building, probably for something to do with customs. Liverpool obviously having been quite a famous port back in the day. Um, so clearly there are sort of international connections associated with it. And then there's this insulation, which has really taken over the monument, which depicts a sort of like hell heaven sort of dante inferno type scene there's someone holding up a sort of crown sword type thing and then there are skeletons under these sort of cover sheet thingies um and i haven't seen the film yet but clearly there is this sort of life and death uh relation that really kind of speaks to why it was so important that this installation was here so I'm going to take a look at the film, I'm going to drink in the atmosphere a little bit, and uh, we'll check back in. So I've gotten to the end of the film and that is an absolutely extraordinary film. Um, the film starts with a quote that says, War not only takes life, but steals the soul and destroys culture. And then basically goes on to explore all the ways in which the Ukrainian army and the people of Ukraine affected by war continue to play music and how that's such an important part of the kind of resistance against the Russian invasion, but also part of the kind of reminder of their identity and their soul. You know, Ukraine have always done well at the Eurovision Song Contest ever since they first entered. And it's, it's films like this that remind you that the reason for that is because of how intrinsically linked culture but specifically music is to the national identity and not only does this film showcase this but it showcases it around a monument that's got sandbags all around it i completely forgot that that has happened to a lot of monuments in ukraine as a result of this invasion they want to protect their their landmarks and therefore putting sandbags around has been the easiest way to do it um absolutely extraordinary and, and just another incredible reminder of how Ukrainian culture is not only special, but where it's something that the world can learn from, regardless of whether there is a war going on in that part of the world or not. It's, it's something to remember and celebrate that, that music not only unites us and brings us together, but that makes us who we are and, and makes us and our, our identity special in a way that no other culture can be.
Yeah, a lot of thoughts. Very impressive. Um, if listeners, if you do want to check it out, um, the the video is produced by Whispered Tales and Dennis Kashche. So I'm sure if you go online and check it out, there'll be various bits and pieces. Um, if you're in Liverpool and want to go see it, it's at Exchange Flags, I say, kind of in the north of the city centre. But uh, please come along because it is very much well worth it. Okay, so as we've been discussing, it's a very exciting semi-final. There's loads happening. There's loads of potential for all kinds of crazy things to go on. I am going to push you to tell me what you think the biggest surprise of tonight's result is going to be. So I think we can be surprised by virtually anything, but if I have to look at the odds, for example, and say what could be the surprise uh, based on the current odds, I would say that Albania is a much more certain qualifier than many people think it is. And especially in a 100% televote semi-final, I think they could pull through. I am going to go for Estonia. At the time of recording, it is quite low in the odds. There's still a lot of people who aren't sure about it. Estonia don't have the best qualification record at Eurovision in recent years. They've they've had a couple of good results. I think last year they qualified, and I think Victor Krohn qualified in 2019 as well. But it, it's been a little bit on and off. I, I think the surprise that I'm trying to mention here is that I think Estonia is going to place in the top five of this semi. I really do believe in if Switzerland made it through, kind of on the basis that it was one of the only main ballads in that semi, I think Estonia is the best ballad this year. And I think that is going to be enough to get it a really good result tonight. And then also to cause some some problems for some of the other ballads jury-wise if it makes it through to Saturday. I can see that happening because uh, in comparison to the other songs in the semi-final, Estonia is clearly a ballad, while the other ones are ballads with different elements, with rap or a power ballad. So in this sense, it could it could uh, shine through. I got to tell you, I am <laughs> I'm way less confident about these surprises um, than I was about the ones uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, again, I should feel confident that my Croatia prediction paid off on Tuesday, so I should feel uh, going through. I, I feel good about your Albania prediction as well, but yeah, I mean, it it really does feel like anything can happen tonight, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't. Uh, we should just go into the show with a very, very open and clear mind. This way, also, we won't be disappointed after the results. Absolutely, and that is great advice for all of you watching at home. Of course, these are just opinions flying around. Eurovision is obviously a, a beautifully subjective thing in which we all have our tastes, and those tastes are really going to come to the fore tonight as we complete our Eurovision 2023 grand final lineup. Wherever you're watching the show, however you're celebrating Eurovision week, we hope you're having a fantastic time. Enjoy these guitars. You've been listening to the ESC Insight Daily News Podcast, hosted by Finn Ross Russell with Madeleine Tutelian. Find out more by heading to escinsight.com and support the work we do at patreon.com slash escinsight.com.